All right. So, Matt, why don't mummies like to go on vacation? Hmm. Why do mummies not like to go on vacation? Uh, I don't know. They're too afraid to unwind. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales <laughs> all right everybody here we are again matt how you doing tonight brother hey i'm good what do you think i've i've upgraded the graveyard east yeah i like it you know i like got, it we got we got new lighting mm-hmm. front front and and some back eerie green lighting um, it, it works you know, for the season, man. I, I dig it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It, I think it looks fantastic. This is the first time I've actually seen it on camera. Yeah. Um. So it look. I think it looks really good. Oh, so yeah. you know, Amanda did a great job building my wall, and now I've got some eerie green behind it. I've got a place to hang our uh, our pulp horror poster. Pick and, you up one of those uh, it if looks you want. Really it. good. For all, yeah, you know, hey, if you want to take a look at it, you want to see what the graveyard east looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, all you have to do is subscribe uh, and become a patron. Mm-hmm. Ten dollar patron. Um, ten ten bucks. Ten bucks a month, and you you get to see how the sausage is made. Right. You get to watch Adam and I do the show, um, uncut. Uh, you get to see all of our mistakes, all of our flubs. You get to see all the retakes. The only thing I um, ever really cut out on those is like if we have a coughing fit or something that I'm like, that's not even interesting. People don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Or I have to kill a wasp. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> well, hell, I, I usually leave that in. That's, Keep that stuff in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, like Matt was saying, if you haven't become a patron yet go over to patreon.com and search graveyard tales and you can find us and we've got three different tiers right now that's one five and ten dollar tiers and for a one dollar patron you get some audio only bonus episodes a five dollar patron you get some stickers and you get audio bonus episodes and then at ten dollars you get a sticker pack you get audio bonus episodes, and you get to see the video of the bonus episodes, plus the video of us recording each main episode. So it's the the $10 you actually get quite a bit more for if you can afford it. But you get all the, all the audio versions of it at $5 if you can't afford $10. So go over there and sign up and help us out if you feel like it. Um, if you can't, we understand, but... If you do, we appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, what, whatever level you join, trust me, that money is going to good use to do kind of stuff like this, you know, mm-hmm. to, to upgrade the studio a little bit um, so that the videos look better, you know, to upgrade our, our recording equipment. Um, and know, to be so able to do con- live streams for you guys. Live, and- live streams. Yeah. Live, live streams, you know. You know, coronavirus has has kept us all in, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but 
we we still want to do something live for you guys. Adapt and, so, and overcome. That's right. And and so that your donations to the show help us get the software that we need to be able to do that and do it well. Right. Um, right. You know. So so thank you everybody uh, for donating to the show. And and if you if you've been thinking about it and just hadn't pulled the trigger. Uh, g- go for it. I mean, you know, just see what it's like for a month. You know, you get to look at our ugly mugs talking, <laughs> um, you know, so give it a shot. Right. And uh, speaking of live streams, we've got a live stream coming up on the 30th of this month, October 30th. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye on our Facebook page. That's where we will be posting information about it. And that's where the live stream will actually go up is on our Facebook page. So you got to go over there and like and follow our Facebook page in order to get notified when we do a live stream. So go over there and do that. Yep. And what we're planning on doing is, you know, we're going to take take the live streaming into our own hands, essentially, because if, as some of y'all remember, we tried doing an outlet at the beginning of the year uh, pre-coronavirus, mm-hmm. and it it just wasn't working for Matt and I. We We didn't dig it as much as we thought yeah and it was a paid thing um you had to buy the ticket to get in so we're going to be doing these facebook live streams which are free for you guys um initially to see and you know it's going to be just me and matt doing it not going to have any other company involved so um like matt was saying your donations help with that tremendously um another thing go check out podbelly network at podbelly.com if you're interested in finding ways to record your own show some little helpful tips something like that and to find other shows that you may not run across normally Um, we want to thank tonight's sponsor best fiends Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them later Um, we are gonna be dark next week um, but have no fear we're supposed to have Supposed to have two dark weeks in a row, but as you know, Matt and I don't like doing that. Um, so we will be back with another episode on the 30th, and it'll be an ad-free show um, for you guys. So there'll be no ads during that one. Um, and before we get into tonight's topic, Matt, did you see where we just got done with our cattle mutilations episode, right? They have just confirmed at least two more cattle mutilations in Oregon. So they they put out a thing on Coast to Coast uh, just today. I got the email about it, actually, because I'm on the Coast to Coast um, emailing deal. Um, and they said there's actually two more cattle mutilations that have been confirmed because they once the first one, the most recent one was confirmed as a cattle mutilation. They started going back and looking at deaths of cattle in the area. And they actually, like, prove that two other ones were of the same, like, mutilation standards of it. They lost their um, genitalia and their tongues and their eyeballs. Um, So they considered, they've now said we consider at least three recent this year new cattle mutilations. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Yeah, you, you sent me that link. Mm-hmm. To this afternoon, and I I didn't have a chance to look at it before we uh, before we came we came on, but man, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I'll put the link to that that article 
um, in our show notes. If you want to go down there, it's it'll be with all of our other sources for tonight's um, episode. So, Matt, speaking of sources, and everybody can go down in our show notes and find our sources to follow along to what we're talking about, see where we got all the information and to keep going. But what is the information that we're going to be going over tonight, Matt? All right. Tonight, we're, we're going to talk about um, some. I don't think we've done a place like this, have we? Uh, well, like this, and uh, we haven't. A, a structure. No, we have not like, done a structure like this. We no. have not done a structure like this. We're doing haunted structures tonight. Yeah. And <laughs> we got a haunted cube, a haunted triangle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tonight, Adam and I are going to look into the the haunted activity going on at the St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida. Yep. And and as we said, we, we haven't done a lighthouse. And I, I think I've heard of other haunted lighthouses. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but this one is one of the oldest and one of the most active and i i've i told adam before we started i said you know this is one of these where the the activity far outweighs the history as far as information to consume right and and learn about a lot of times when we talk about other places you know there's there's some strange bloody history you know there you know it's long and involved and you know so many people owned it and families died there and all this kind of stuff that's not necessarily the case with uh, the St. Augustine lighthouse but yet there's a plethora how about that for a $5 word i like that and i'm glad you didn't pronounce it plethora i hate when people say plethora Plethora so, sounds dirty. It does. <laughs> but, you know, you saying plethora, it means a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. activity here. Um, but, you know, it's always good to kind of know the history to give you an idea of, uh, of, of why this place might be haunted. And so Adam's going to dig into the history of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Right. And, you know, there, if you look at the, you know, St. Augustine Lighthouse Information Center and you go off what they've got, they've got a lot of stuff that really doesn't help us at all in <laughs> our investigation. Got um, a lot of stuff about lighthouses. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> lighthouses and maritime stuff. and But, I mean, it's all interesting, but it's one of those things that, you know, I had to call through quite a bit of it to make sure we got stuff that pertained to the spirits that are right. potentially at the the lighthouse and the reasoning for you know, maybe the energy that kept the spirits there and all that. So we're going to go through it. And if you start getting bored, I'm sorry, but that, you know, it's history time, guys. And and <laughs> that's what we do here. You guys know that we do the history of the places we like doing it. So just hang with us. 
Now, this actually, this little bit actually comes from Encyclopedia Britannica, and it says that St. Augustine is the oldest continuously settled city in the United States. Um, It's the seat of St. John's County, northeastern Florida, about 40 miles southeast of Jacksonville. Um, It is situated on a peninsula between two saltwater rivers, the San Sebastian on the west and the Matanzas on the east. Um, And on the mainland west of South Sebastian, just inland from the Atlantic coast, on the intercoastal waterway. Um, so the St. Augustine Lighthouse actually is located at 100 Red Cox Road, St. Augustine, Florida. Um, if you're interested in going to visit, if you live close to that, or you just happen to be out that way sometime, you know, and check it out. It's on the east side of Florida. Anytime uh, Ashley and Michael and I go down there, we go to the... Uh, the west side on the panhandle there. We don't go yeah. over to that, the touristy side. To the Gulf. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're on the Gulf side, not the ocean side. So. Right. Um, but like Matt said, the lighthouse here is like super old. It, it's really old. It's one of the oldest structures we've talked about in the United States. Um, and it has been around this same general area for many years. And you're like, same general area. What do you mean? I'll, I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know lighthouses got up and walked away. Yeah. I mean, when they, when they feel that the area isn't, you know, it's getting a little overcrowded and it isn't quite as rural as they thought they can actually move themselves to a more, no, that's a lie. I'll, I'll explain <laughs> it. So let's take a look at a little bit of the history that I got from the St. Augustine Lighthouse Information Center. Um, let's go all the way back to 1589. Now, in 1589, Italian cartographer Giovanni Battista published his map of the raid of Sir Francis Drake on St. Augustine three years earlier. Now, the map is the first documented archival reference of a wooden watchtower at the end of Anastasia Island. So the watchtower was erected by the Spanish crown during the building of Castillo del San Marcos to keep enemy ships from taking Anastasia Island. The watchtower at the north end of the island eventually became the St. Augustine Lighthouse, and the one at the sound end actually became Fort Matanzas National Monument. So since 1589, they've had some sort of thing there, um, which is crazy old. Yeah, it is. It's way older than me, Matt, which is wild, and I'm old. (laughs) It's a little older than me. (laughs) But... I mean, you know, when you think about a lighthouse um, and and that uh, traditional stairwell that goes up into a lighthouse and then halfway up, somebody goes, hey, you know, this is this has been here for about 300 some odd years. I'm like, why am I walking up it? Yeah, exactly. You said it was <laughs> safe. I don't feel like it's safe. I, w- I want it to be built like last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's safer and there's less potential of a ghost pushing me down the stairs if it was built last hey, week. Yeah, that's, that's another. It's a long drop to the bottom. No joke. So let's jump to 1737. Now, by 1737, the Spanish replaced earlier construction with a new 30-foot watchtower made of shell rock and wood. A canoe was kept at the... Centinella 
for helping those stationed there to warn the town of approaching vessels. A spar with halyards was raised to signal the direction from which ships traveled. Ships coming from the north might signal an enemy arrival. So, you know, they're still using it as a watchtower slash lighthouse, but it's mainly a watchtower for enemy ships. All right, now the French and Indian War, or the Seven Years' War, uh, Seven Years' War finally ended about 1763, and the British and her American colonies had defeated the combined forces of Spain and France. So Florida was ceded to Great Britain and divided into East and West Florida. The new protectorates, including new Canadian territories, were added to the British Empire in alphabetical order, making Florida East and Florida West the 14th and 15th British colonies in North America. Now, the capital of East Florida was St. Augustine, a town of 500 homes. Spanish residents left for Cuba, taking everything, even the nails in the wood, and the British arrived at an empty town. However, they set about the task of stimulating trade and settlement. Grants of land were offered to those who were willing to settle in Florida within 10 years. So in 1780, a plan of the Harbor of St. Augustine, province of Georgia, by J.F.W. DeBars, Esquire, in the Atlantic Neptune, lists the words lighthouse on Anastasia Island. And so that, that's where we see one of the newer, I guess, terms. It's not a watchtower anymore. It's now a lighthouse. Well, on the night of New Year's Eve, 1782, some 16 ships wrecked during a nor'easter while attempting to enter the harbor. The ships were a few of the hundreds used by the British to evacuate Charlestown or Charleston, South Carolina, on December 14th, 1781. And no, I didn't mispronounce Charleston, South Carolina. It is actually Charlestown was the original name of South Carolina. So don't at me, bro. <laughs> don't don't at me, yeah, bro. Don't at me, bro, as the cool kids say. It was Charlestown, South Carolina. Matt, I promise I will never say that again. I feel gross saying the phrase, <laughs> don't at me, bro. So I apologize to everyone who had to hear that. Uh, Where was I? (laughs) So following the evacuation of its colonies to the north, the population of British St. Augustine swelled to about 30,000 people, about the same size as Philadelphia during the day. Thousands of Native Americans also came and camped outside the city gates seeking British protection. Now, Governor Patrick... Taunin struggled to feed and protect everyone, and he eventually closed out all British interests south of New York. Florida was ceded back to the Spanish in the 1783 Treaty of Paris. St. Augustine was once again a military outpost on the fringe of Spain's colonies. The Spanish quickly tore down the British wooden construction that was on top of the old watchtower and then refortified it with more seashells like they did before. Now, if the tower was used as a lighthouse by the British, it may have returned to use as a watchtower under the Spanish system. So it seems like every time the Spanish take over, it becomes a watchtower, and when the British took over, it was a lighthouse. So it switched back and forth between its duties over the years. Well, isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. What, the British doesn't... They don't need watchtowers. They're not looking for enemies. 
I guess no, not. Like, hey, the shore's right here. We're going to light it up for you. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Hey, no, we'll put a one, beacon on all. the shore. And <laughs> then we'll be surprised Spanish. when people find us, you know. Spanish says, quit. Quit doing that. Yeah, right. Quit lighting turn, up turn the shore. Turn that light off. Put some soldiers up there and tell us what's coming. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, that's one thing to keep in mind when we talk about the hauntings at the lighthouse. Watchtowers are usually used, you know, for wars and stuff like that. And as we've talked, right. wars bring a negative energy that seems to permeate the soil around everything. So, you know, that's that's kind of why we're touching on this is just to let you know what it's been used for and why. Um, in 1806, 42 ships called at the port of St. Augustine, 37 from the United States and five from Havana. Now, business transports were small, shallow draft galetta, schooners and balandras. And now cargoes included barrels of flour, line for ships rigging, sweets, soap, Madeira wine, and a customary amount of beer. So it was being used heavily for trade during this time. So there were people in and out of this area all the time. So let's jump all the way to 1822. Now, originally lit with a system of Winslow Lewis Argon lamps and reflector panels, the light from lighthouses in America was harder to see from ships than similar lighthouse beams uh, that shone along the coast of Europe. So a French engineer by the name of Jean-Augustine Fresnel perfected the Fresnel lens by 1822. This changed modern optics forever. Nevertheless, the U.S. Treasury was slow to adopt this improved system because of the expense of changing out the lenses. Instead, the light tower of St. Augustine was raised uh, another 10 feet in 1852 in an effort to improve visibility. So they said, it's way too expensive to change the lights. Let's just spend the money and make it taller, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. How in the world is that cheaper? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) We're going to make this thing 10 feet taller? Yeah. And that's cheaper than changing out a lens. Maybe that gives you an idea how much these lenses cost. Yep. Perhaps. I I mean, we're talking about, you know, you know, eight. You know, the 1852s through the 50s, mm-hmm. you know, they're producing, you know, the Fresnel lens. Right. It couldn't have been easy. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know. I'll tell you this, Matt. The That raising at 10 feet thing only lasted about a year. Because by 1853, St. Augustine Tower held a new fourth ordered Fresnel lens. So this was a single lard oil lamp fueled by whale oil um, that was used for light. So they were like, okay, we raised it 10 feet. That didn't work. Let's just spend the money and get the lens. Or if they'd have done it in the first place, you know, they wouldn't have spent the money to raise it either. Fresnel, they're like Apple. We're going to get you eventually. Yeah, no joke. Go ahead. Go ahead. Raise it up 10 more feet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, We'll We'll see you next year. Right, right. Sure. Keep your would, old iPhone. Yeah, it'll would, it'll work just fine. Would you would you buy the Fresnel 4G lids, <laughs> which is going to be a thousand dollars more right. than the one you could have had? Yep. Exactly. 
Well, yeah, still got you. Yep, and, and that's that's what happened. Um, they just a year after the ten foot raise, they decided, oh well, let's go ahead and get the Fresnel lens. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this this stupid this stupid lids we have is terrible. <laughs> we could raise it a hundred feet more, and it would it wouldn't do any good. Right, and that's probably what happened. <laughs> they raised it, and were like, yeah, this didn't do anything. This didn't do anything. Now. During the American Civil War, 1861 to 1865, Confederate sympathizers living in St. Augustine removed and hid the lens and clockwork mechanisms in order to block Union shipping. Now, the Union Navy steamed into the harbor on gunboats and took over St. Augustine peacefully. After jailing the future St. Augustine mayor, Paul Arnall, on a prison ship, uh, the whereabouts of the clockworks and lens were revealed. So... Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't go up there and, like, bust it. Yeah. Because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's one of those uh, 4G Fresnel lenses. Yeah, right. You got to say that thing. that. Take Just it, go, take it. go hide, hide it. it. We can use it later. <laughs> At least they were smart enough for that. I mean. <laughs> we, could, we, could burn some, we could burn the hell out of some ants with this thing. Right. Maybe even some pterodactyls. Because. Pterodactyls around during the Civil War. That was oh, the yeah, joke. Oh, you know, yeah, you know. Did you see all that? You know. Yeah, I, we did an episode on Thunderbirds. They had uh, pterodactyls around then. Yeah, the Snallygaster. <laughs> right. Floating around <laughs> out there in Florida. Yep. You know. <laughs> yep. Well, the victorious American government uh, at that point relit the beacon in 1867. However, as the sea level was rising... It would not be long before the new St. Augustine light station would be required. So now, quote, professional lighthouse keepers would be transferred from northern states to replace those Confederate sympathizers running the port before. Now, like we said, the sea level was rising. So it soon became evident that this first St. Augustine lighthouse tower was doomed to fall into the ocean. Well, the U.S. Congress appropriated $100,000 funding for a new lighthouse during the Florida Reconstruction period. The U.S. Lighthouse Service began construction on a new 165-foot tower in 1871 and did not finish until 1874. So that's why it's moved all around. And we said it's the same general area, but not that exact area. They... Um, the the raising sea levels there uh, at the time in the 1800s made them go, you know, this isn't going to work right here. It's too close to the shore. So they moved it back. Now, on October 15th, 1874, lighthouse keeper William R. Russell lit the oil lamp inside the new first order Fresnel lens for the first time. He most likely walked to the tower from his residence at the old St. Augustine light station upon which the sea was rapidly encroaching. The lenses is the lenses are nine feet tall and Russell would have had to climb inside it to light the lamps. Nine so, feet tall. Nine foot tall lens. Yeah. And, and you got to got to climb in it to do it. Now, they say the jewel light lens was handmade just for St. Augustine in Paris. Um, by the company of Sauter and Lemonnier. Um, it represented the height of Victorian engineering and technology and cast its beam much farther out to sea than its predecessor. The new light now demonstrated three 
fixed flashes from three bullseye panels that could be seen from up to 19 to 24 nautical miles, depending on atmospheric conditions. Now, all of this, 19 to 24 nautical miles, was fueled by oil and then kerosene before electricity came to the light station. So, all of that just from, you know, whale oil and kerosene. Yeah, that's impressive. It is impressive. Now, on February 28, 1889, the St. Augustine Weekly News described the lens in this way. Quote, the lamp was a brass cylinder of 10 gallons capacity. Inside, it has a heavy weight, which uh, governs the flow of oil to the burner. The burner has five wicks in concentric circles. A chimney leads to the roof. It has a damper, which regulates the flame. The globe is a huge case of glass, which revolves around the lamp every nine minutes. It makes a flash every three minutes when a big bullseye lines up between the lamp and the human eye. The cage weighs two tons. Man. So, yeah, it's a big thing. And, I, you know, they distri- described it pretty succinctly there. Um, but let's jump from 1889 to the 1940s. Let's take a big jump. Uh, to pass up a whole lot of information we don't need. Um, So a coastal lookout building was constructed at the St. Augustine Light Station in late 1941 and early 1942 after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in December of 1941. However, life had not changed dramatically on the East Coast. Americans still felt a sense of separation from the war. Well, the sinking of the SS Gulf America off the coast of Jacksonville, Florida in April 1942 changed that feeling. This says candle power in the lighthouse was reduced. Blackout curtains were required in every home and cars drove without headlights because the war was close by. Now, U-Boat 123, and I cannot pronounce this name, um, the captain was on his second patrol to the Americas. The mission was to interrupt British supply lines and demoralize everyday citizens. On his first journey, he sailed into the harbor of New York City and looked out at the American shoreline. Now, Captain Hardigan prowled the St. John's County and Duval County coast before finding a target for his torpedoes. He mentioned, quote, the slender lighthouse in his logbook and noted how clearly the coast could be seen without binoculars. The explosion of the SS Gulf America could be seen for miles. Eyewitnesses rushed to the beach to watch as Hardigan surfaced his U-boat between the tanker and the shore and fired on the vessel to finish it off. Despite being hit by the depth charges, U-123 managed to escape and limped back to Germany. So, again, we got... That's a long limp. Dude. That's a lot, man. Yeah. I can't limp upstairs some nights. I would hate to limp <laughs> to Germany. Now, you know, that just kind of, again, shows there was war happening in that area right. along, you know, near St. Augustine and the lighthouse. So in 1980, a suspicious fire gutted the vacated keeper's house, which had been declared excess by the government. St. John's County was about to purchase the property and condominiums were discussed as one possibility for a best use of the land. As bulldozers threatened, in stepped the Junior Service League with a will to restore the property and open a maritime museum. 
So the site was added to the National Register of Historic Places. Over the next 15 years, the Junior Service League would dig in hands-on and raise over $1.2 million to restore the Keeper's House, the Lighthouse Tower, and the original Fresnel lens. The lens had been shot by a vandal's bullet, damaging 19 prisms in the beehive structure. What a jerk. Yeah. So the... Yeah. The U.S. Coast Guard shut down the lens in 1991 and replaced it with a modern airport beacon, but the league quickly rose to this challenge. The Keeper's House restoration was finished in 1990, and in 1991, the league signed a lease with the U.S. Coast Guard and opened part-time to the public. In 1993, the Junior Service League of St. Augustine held the first community day with a lens relighting and fireworks. Now, this project was publicized as the first restoration of a Fresnel lens in the United States. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, A maritime museum opened full time in early 1994. Um, What is today the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum Incorporated, uh, separately incorporated from the League in 1998. So as we've said, all that information is in our show notes. Go down to the bottom of our show notes and hit the sources. You can find all the stuff that I skipped in there if you want to dig in more into the Maritime Museum and they've got maritime archaeology and all that kind of stuff. So it is pretty cool. It just doesn't pertain to what we're talking about tonight. Um, But go check it out in our show notes when you're done. You can see what we just talked about plus more. So Matt, let's... Let's move to what you got, and let's pull it out of this history hole here. <laughs> yeah, we got we got some serious history and a lot of talk about Fresnel lenses, which I think we should replace Adam's glasses with Fresnel lenses. Wouldn't that be fun? I could have beacons like uh, shooting out of my eyes. <laughs> you see, like nineteen of every like a <laughs> yeah. fly. <laughs> that would that man that would make me like nauseous and dizzy. Like, ugh. <laughs> Try to edit audio with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I said at the top of the show, typically when when Adam and I look into a haunted place, we find one or two spirits that have been given a name or the paranormal activity is attributed to a specific person associated mm-hmm. with the location. Right. Now, Personally, I feel like it's a bonus when a location has embraced their haunted history enough Absolutely. to refer to their spirits by name. You know, yeah. not not all places go to that much effort. But the St. Augustine Lighthouse has more than its fair share of named spirits. So why? Why why so active? Adam just gave you because the history Florida. of this place. May, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's weird. Florida man. Yeah, yeah. right. Florida man haunts lighthouse but, in yeah, his but underwear. It, but it's like we said, a lighthouse doesn't necessarily fit into the category like a haunted hospital or prison or old battlefields or castles with hidden dungeons where people, you know, were brutally tortured. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a freaking lighthouse. Right. You know, d- despite that. The St. Augustine Lighthouse has definitely seen tragedy and death, but maybe it's because lighthouses are guideposts and they they lead souls to safety. Perhaps all the souls that they guide aren't 
among the living. That's a very good point. I mean, we look at things in in liminal spaces, in between spaces. There's other attractants to spirits because not everywhere that has hauntings is some in between space. So I I think your idea is is pretty spot on. It's a beacon, a literal beacon that guides people. So it could continue guiding even after death. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, I, I couldn't come up with, you know, an idea as to, well, why would, cause it's not the only one. It's probably one of the most famous haunted lighthouses, mm-hmm. but other ones have had, um, you know, paranormal activity, uh, but, but why, I mean, what, what would be so special about it? And that's, you know, that was kind of me spitballing some ideas. I'm like, well, Okay. You know, we've we've talked about in between spaces and transitional spaces are, you know, keys for finding, you know, evidence of of spirit activity. So why mm-hmm. not this? You know, why not something that like Adam said, it's a beacon, it's a guidepost. But even though the history of the lighthouse may not be as dramatic as some of the other places we've discussed, it does have one legend attributed to it. As the story goes, St. Augustine was frequently visited by pirates in their heyday. And on one occasion, 13 pirates were captured and they were tried in a little speedy, quickie trial, you know, yeah, quote unquote hey, trial. You're a pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. it's a pirate. You know, you're guilty of piracy. Yeah. That's it. You know, they just throw a, a white wig on some schmuck and tell him to just hammer the gavel a couple times and- exactly exactly you know you know and these guys weren't the the pirates of the caribbean you know it's not johnny depp <laughs> right you know being all suave and everything and, and and funny no i mean these guys were bad people I mean, do you think they, they talked with an english accent like all per- other pirates seem to do perhaps you know with a, little, with a little cockney in it yeah, yar, you got me leg. <laughs> Give it back. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know these these guys like like Blackbeard. I mean, you know, I, I think television and movies and 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 novels have romanticized pirates, but these yep. were not uh, these were not friendly chaps. No. Um, but the legend says they were all hanged and buried in a shallow grave behind the lighthouse. Think about the number too. Yeah, 13. the number of them. If you're into numerology or yeah. you know unlucky numbers and stuff, now thirteen is my lucky number, but oh, whatever, yeah. you know. Everybody says that when they're trying to be cool or something. Mm-hmm. Thirteen mm-hmm. is my unlucky number. Thirteen. <laughs> I got thirteen skulls on my tattoo over here. I got married on the thirteenth. Our show uh, started on October thirteenth. I think it's my lucky, well, <laughs> my hell, lucky I think number, it Matt. is your lucky See? number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just trying to be cool, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I didn't realize all that. <laughs> um, but, you know, none of the spirits we're going to talk about tonight are considered to be any of any of the dead pirates. That's weird. Because it's just a legend. I mean, yeah. there's, you know, it's just a legend. Um. But, you know, in, in fact, it's quite the opposite uh, of, of the spirits that we're, we're going to discuss. Now, as Adam said, you know, the St. Augustine Lighthouse was originally built 
1824, and it was owned by Dr. Alan Ballard. Now, he was forced to sell it to the government in 1865 because it was thought the ocean would eventually swallow it. Mm-hmm. Now, after the Civil War, Florida's funds were depleted, and they offered to buy it for substantially less than it was worth. Ballard refused and said, Nat, I'm just going to hang on to it. So the government threatened to take it via eminent domain and give him nothing. <laughs> you, you can take this or you can get nothing and we will still own it. That's just wrong. So Ballard got pretty upset and he vowed that he would never leave the lighthouse. Now, nobody's really sure exactly what happened to Dr. Ballard, but some people believe the government killed him. That he he did not leave. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 a lot of people believe that his spirit can still be seen and felt at the lighthouse. That's cool. Okay, you know, Adam, I think everybody likes to uh, take some of the topics we talk about on the show and go and uh, do that deep dive. Oh, yeah. um, On Wikipedia, you know, finding out more about the topics that we talk about. But when you get to that point where your brain is just full to the brim of ghosts and cryptids and paranormal activity, sometimes you just need that mental palate cleanser. Oh, yeah. And... You know, that's when I like to play Best Fiends. You know, Best Fiends is is a casual um, mobile puzzle game that you can just forget all that stress and crap and stuff that you've learned and say, hey, you know, I can just sit down with these bright and colorful bugs and go take out some slugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. and, and And it's so much fun. And there's so many levels, and they just keep updating and updating. And um, Amanda and I, we, we, you know, we really, we really dig it. Now she is way better than I am. No, oh, yeah, way better okay. than me too. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I get on these levels where I can't get past, and I've, I've, I must admit, I'm guilty of just handing her my phone and saying, "Beat this level Dude, for me, please." Yeah, I do that to Ashley all the time. If we're sitting there playing. <laughs> I'm like, are you done with your level so you can now beat my level for me, please? Because she is. She's way better than me. And I I don't know if that says something about our intellect or not. But, you know, these uh, levels are great. And like Matt said, they're always changing levels and updating levels. So you never have to worry about, oh, I'm going to beat this game soon. You're not going to beat this game. There are always new levels being added in it's a free-to-download game, and it literally has millions of five-star reviews on Apple, App Store, and Google Play. So, you can go download Best Fiends for free today, like we said, on the Apple, App Store, and Google Play, wherever you get your apps. And remember, that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Yeah, that's right. Go and download Best Fiends free today on the apple app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends now one of the lighthouse's first keepers was a man named peter rasmussen 
Now, he was known for his eye for detail and his, his watchful manner of maintaining the lighthouse. But he was also known for his love of cigars. And it's one of the first ghosts that people report coming into contact with. Now, over the years, the smell of Peter's cigar has been detected by many, including staff members and guests. And according to staff, this happens several times a week. Hmm. So th- this is He's one busy. of those. Yeah. This is one of those disturbances when you hear uh, of something that, uh, oh, well, it, it happens quite often. Well, give me an estimate. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a dozen times a year. Well, that's great. That's a lot. Normally, mm-hmm. this happens several times a week. Yeah, you know, that's extraordinarily frequent. Yes, it is uh, for any kind of paranormal activity. Now, others have seen and heard another keeper, Joseph Andrew. Now, Joseph's spirit is typically seen at the top of the tower. But I mean, you know, he's been dead for over 100 years. But his presence at the lighthouse could be explained by the fact that he fell to his death while he was painting the outside of the tower. Uh. Now, his death was so sudden that many argue that he didn't realize that he'd actually died. And he was just still hanging around trying Hmm. to put a fresh coat of paint on this thing. That's wild. Now. For over a hundred years, his spirit has been living in his old quarters, smoking a cigar to pass the time. Apparently, cigar smoking was the favorite pastime of the lighthouse keepers. Yeah. Or or wickies, as uh, <laughs> they were nicknamed, because they tended the wick. Oh, I thought they, they were the originators of Wikipedia. <laughs> They, Light, yeah, you know, if you Google Lighthouse Wiki, you, you you may get two different things. Yeah, something totally different. <laughs> now, again, you know, um, Andrew's spirit is usually seen looking out from the top of the tower. Now, there's an there's another one that is maybe a little less friendly, um, and, and this is probably the scariest spirit that exists at the at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. This one is known as the man. Creative. <laughs> the the man. Yeah. What'd you see up there? I saw the man. The man. Well, were the myth and the legend with him? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. But the man is usually spotted in the basement uh, of what used to be the lightkeeper's house. Now, it's a shadowy figure. Now, some say shadowy figure others say shadow figure so that could mean two different things yeah that Um, is a big difference in terminology (laughs) yeah but it's also known for making the room smell like cigar smoke but this one tends to fill visitors with this really uneasy feeling um described as the uh the feeling of foreboding Hmm. you know i love that you know foreboding you know that's not a word you hear too often anymore no but but it's a good descriptor though it it is you know that that idea that uh something bad may happen while i'm right yeah you know it's just that that whole idea of maybe i shouldn't be here you know maybe it's a little dangerous for me to be here 
Um, but that's what people describe. Now, the most famous encounter with this particular shadow figure happened in 2006 when ghost hunters visited the light, visited the lighthouse. Now, in this particular episode, a black misty figure is seen approximately two stories above where the cast is when, you know, where the cast of the show was. Mm-hmm. Now the man is seen peeking over a railing before turning around and vanishing. Now there is a photo of this and it plainly shows what appears to be the shadow of a man with hands on the railing, leaning forward and looking down. I mean, you know, you, that's wild. You, you know what that would look like if you're standing down and you're looking up that spiral yeah. staircase and you see somebody looking over the edge. That's exactly what it looks like. Again, it, it could be easily faked. Sure. Um, you know, but if you take the picture at face value, it, it is pretty creepy because you can, you can plainly see, you know, what, mm-hmm. what appears to be that outline. But who is he? I mean, he's just, is he just the man? You know, he's, he's the man. Yeah. But um, there are some ideas that maybe it is the ghost of William Russell, who Adam mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Now, William Russell was the lighthouse keeper during the 1850s, and Russell was known for his protective personality. Now, most people believe that he's only trying to look after his home and his place of work, even if it means scaring off a few visitors. So, as I I'd said... I'd be willing to do that. You know, <laughs> hang around just to scare some people. Well, yeah, shoot, yeah. yeah. Why not? Let's have well, a little you, fun. After you die, what else are you going to do? I mean, you got to have a pastime, right? Got to have a hobby. You know, ho- hobbies and, are important even after death. So Exactly. It, it keeps you busy, keeps your mind young. You know, <laughs> it scares the crap out of tourists. It, it's all good things. I, again, you know, this is... Uh, you, you're kind of thinking, okay, we've already heard a few stories, Matt. You know, people have seen these things. You know, people are smelling cigar smoke. You know, a guy at the top of the tower. Let's let's consider something. It is a lighthouse. So it's it's not, I mean, it's really tall, but I mean, it, it's not big. I mean, right. you, you think about some of these, some of these structures that we've, we've talked about that have, you know, three or four spirits that haunt it. I mean, we're talking about castles and mansions and hospitals and prisons. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are large, expansive structures. This is a lighthouse. It's tall, but there's, there's not a lot going on inside. And we've already talked about three possible spirits that haunt this place. Yeah. They each get a bend of the stairs is what they get. Yeah. You know, you get this bend, I'll haunt this bend you haunt that bend. Yeah. But now we're 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 really going to dig into the meat of the haunting that hauntings that happen at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Now, this one, this one really gets to you because this is the these are the most common uh, experiences that people get when they when they visit or when they investigate the lighthouse. So, here's a little bit of backstory. Now, the superintendent of lighthouse construction. A one Hezekiah Pity. He moved from Cape Elizabeth, Maine, with his family, 
to oversee the construction of the new St. Augustine Lighthouse. Of course, you know, uh, an expert in lighthouse construction would live in Maine. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, where there's, uh, you know, dozens of lighthouses. Yeah, 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 of course. So why not? So you get an expert. Hezekiah lived on site with his wife, Mary, and their children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. Now, just as kids do, the pity children would turn to the construction site as a playground. Sure. I mean, you know, and the and the workers enjoyed the kids being around, and, and you know, they're out there playing. And go, I mean, who, what kid wouldn't love a construction site? I mean, you're jumping up oh, and down, yeah. there's wood, and, you know, you're you're stacking wood and you're jumping off of it and you know you're making ramps and all you know building little forts and all kinds of stuff i mean you know i, I remember as a kid just up the road from our house there was a house under construction that they were building we'd go down there and play all the time ride our bikes around the construction site and you know set up the two by fours and four by fours and ride your bike over them and all that so it was fun oh uh, yeah i mean I, I can remember doing it as a kid you know we would we would we would go and uh, they where I grew up playing baseball. You know they were they were building some, uh, you know some houses and I mean it was always fun. You know you kind of crept oh, in yeah. there and looked around. But by 1873, only the foundation and 42 feet of the 165 foot tower were completed. A railway cart moved supplies from the supply ships that were docked at Salt Run to the building site. Mm -hmm. Now, riding the cart down to the water was a favorite game of the pity children, as it would be any kid. Oh, yeah. I've or got, any man-child like me. That I'm, would be fun. I, I would I would do it. I would, mm -hmm. I would totally do it. I mean, I've got a, a, essentially a railroad and a cart that will run on this track. This is going to be a blast. I have, oh, yeah. I have my own roller coaster. Exactly. And that's exactly what these kids did. They had a, a Victorian-era roller coaster, and they would ride the cart to the water and bring it back up to the site and ride it back down again. Now, there was only a wooden board at the end of the rail that stopped the cart from tipping over into the water. But just like kids, you know, it's hard to kind of foresee that this may not have been the safest thing to do. Yeah. Now, on July 10th, 1873, the three pity sisters, Mary, Eliza, and Carrie, along with an unknown girl uh, whose father may have been a worker on the site, were riding in the cart just as they normally did. Now, the wooden board that stopped the cart from going into the water was not in place. What oh, no. moron decided, oh, I'm going to move this board. Yeah. The cart carrying the girls flipped into the water, trapping the girls underneath. Mm. Now, Mr. Dan Sessions, who was a young, uh, young worker, witnessed the event and ran down to the water. But when he reached the cart, using all of his strength, he lifted it up, but the girls had already drowned. Yeah. Actually, That's sad. Actually, only three of the four girls drowned, and the the one survivor was Carrie, who was the youngest. Now, in the days after the accident, the construction site, uh, as well as the town around it, shut down for the funeral for the three mm -hmm. girls. Now, following the funeral, 
the Pity family returned to Maine to to bury their daughters in their hometown. Now, the there as I mentioned, there was one other girl that died with them, and researchers have not been able to specifically identify this girl. There have been some there have been some guesses, um, and 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 some some evidence leads uh you know to a particular person but nothing that absolutely confirms that they know the identity of the other girl right now in the time since the accident strange occurrences have been repeatedly attributed to the spirits of these girls now one story involves a relief lighthouse keeper living in the home in the 1950s who reported hearing footsteps upstairs. Now he went to investigate, but of course, guess what? No one was there. Yeah. Now the head keeper at the time was a man named James Pippin. Now he served from 1953 to 1955 and was the last keeper to actually live at the light station. Pippin initially lived in the keeper's house, just like all the keepers before him, but he decided to move into the much smaller 1941 Coastal Lookout building, swearing that the big house was haunted and he would not stay another night. <laughs> so in 1955, the lighthouse lamp was fully automated and the United States Coast Guard replaced the lighthouse keepers with a position called lamplighter. Now, the local lamplighter had all the responsibilities of a lightkeeper, but he didn't have to live there. So as a result, the keeper's house was rented for a time. Now, a local man who was uh, a leather worker uh, rented the property during the 1960s. Now, he tells the story of waking up one night with a small girl standing by his bed. As he Creepy. blinked, when he realized that he's looking at a small girl standing by his bed, she disappeared. Oh, wild. Mm-hmm. Dang ghost kids, man. I'm telling you. I know. And that's, I know that's always a, a sticky point for you is yeah. the, the ghost I mean, children. And, and just, <laughs> just waking up with a nine-year-old standing in your doorway, the human nine-year-old <laughs> that I live with all the time. If he's in the doorway at 3 a.m., that's creepy enough. But to have something disappear when I blink, holy cow. Look, I have I have never been like startled as as bad as I have been by lying in bed and you get kind of that that kind of I something's going on and you're starting to kind of mm -hmm. come out of it. You know, yeah. you're, you're starting to wake up but you're not awake yet. Your eyes mm -hmm. are still closed. And then you kind of gradually open one eye and you see this shadow in front of you and you're like, what? And then you hear the daddy. Ah! You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And Amanda and I both, it has happened to the both of us. And, and you know, the kids just standing there right next to you at the edge of your bed. You're just like, oh mm -hmm. my God. So yep. imagine heavy breathing with a blank stare on their face. And you're like. What are you doing? Go to bed. So imagine this guy yeah. who has no kids 
<laughs> waking right. up just like that with a kid at his bed. Right. Do you know? Yeah. I imagine he flipped out. Oh, I'm sure. He probably I, wet the bed. I, I would have wet the bed. <laughs> I'd have probably done more than wet it. I'm done. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bad. Now, in, in 1970, after standing empty for many years, the keeper's house burned under mysterious circumstances, which Adam mentioned earlier in the show. Now, yeah. it completely gutted the home, leaving only the shell stone basement and a few charred timbers. Now, St. John's County purchased the shell of the building with the intention of demolishing it for safety reasons. I mean, there's no reason to keep it. Right. But as Adam discussed, the the, the 16 women member of the all-volunteer Junior Service League of St. Augustine stepped in, raised the $1.2 million, and over the next 15 years, restored and renovated the keeper's house. During the renovation, both construction workers and the Junior Service League volunteers reported numerous unexplained incidents in the home. Now, the basement was a particularly active area for, for ghost and spirit activity. Now, remember, it was the only part of the home that had not completely burned. So it was what was left. So right. maybe the children like to play in the basement. And even today. Make it even creepier. Yeah, even today. They say you can still feel a weird, spooky presence down in that basement. Jeez. Now, the the girls are typically playful spirits, and they enjoy playing hide-and-seek sometimes, uh, including on unsuspecting people. <laughs> now, one night in the dark lighthouse tower, uh, a single staff member was closing up for the night, and he heard giggling and laughing at the top of the tower. Now- No, thanks. He started to think that he had left someone on top of the tower. So he went back up and he found that it was empty. Now, as he began to go back down the tower, he heard the same giggles and laughter below him. Now, once he got all the way to the bottom, he once again found that there was no one there. Now, could it be that it was just, you know, the wind whipping through or something and he was not hearing what he thought? or uh, was it the uh, the ghosts of the little girls playing hide and seek? Yeah, you know, or a red crested whippoorwill. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh and giggle up here, and you come find me, and I'm not here, and then I'm gonna laugh and giggle downstairs, mm-hmm. and you come find me, and I'm not there. Um, that would be creepy and annoying. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> definitely be annoying because. You've just had to walk up and down that lighthouse now several times to go find something that's not there. Yeah. It's creepy enough just to hear giggling in a in a dark tower, let alone you know having to do all that physical activity. No thanks. You know, so I'm I'm not big on um, on physics or how this would work. You know, and I'm certainly no architect, but I wonder if at 165 feet. If the if if it was straight up, if you could take a staircase straight up 165 feet, is that fewer stairs than one that spirals up? I've got to yep. think. I got to think it's less. Yeah. So shortest not, distance is a straight line. So that's what I'm thinking. You know, somebody's going to go, Matt. You're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just. It had to be a ladder. I'm just posing a question. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of steps. 
uh, to yeah, go right. around and around and around just to chase some little kid ghosts that are playing a prank on you. Yep. You know, and not not only are they creepy, but they're jerks. <laughs> I'd have to put them in a paranormal timeout or something. You right. Know, it's like ease up. It was funny the first twi- first two times. <laughs> I'm tired now. You know? Yeah, exactly. I got COPD from all these cigars I'm smoking. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you do when you when you become a lighthouse keeper. You know. Yeah, you take up smoking cigars to help settle your nerves from all the dang kid ghosts. <laughs> They give you a box of matches and a box of cigars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't use all the matches because you need to be able to light the the torch up there in case it goes Maybe, out. Maybe I thought about this. Maybe they all smoke cigars so that if it goes out, they already have a lit something to light the wick with. Yeah, you know they what? Just use I their thought, cigar. I, I thought maybe there's something to this. Mm-hmm. I didn't find anything. <laughs> yeah. Maybe no, they I all mean, smoke cigars, so if the light goes out, they can take the the you know the yeah. cherry off their cigar and and relight it. Yep, I've known a lot of uh, well, I say a lot, but two or three maybe of uh, guys who worked at like the city dump. Yeah, and all the old dudes smoke cigars, and they would smoke cigars while working to keep the smell down of the city dump. Because huh. they would have that cigar, even if it kind of went to ash and wasn't it's, lit. It's right there under it, their nose. Yeah, right there under their nose. And so it would keep the trash smell and the dump yeah. smell down. So maybe it's another occupational thing for lighthouse keepers like it is for those guys that worked at the dump that I knew. Yeah, and you know, it's just kind of a look, you know. Yeah, it maybe makes it you look part, cool. it was part of the uniform, you know. Oh, there you go. Big stogie sticking out of the side of your mouth. There you go. You do look cool with it. Now, uh, now an, uh, another evening, there was a female guest at the lighthouse, and she was taking the Dark of the Moon tour, which is the 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 name of the tour that you can currently go and, and take at the lighthouse. And she was standing on the first step of the metal lighthouse staircase. Now, when she took her star- her first step to climb the tower, she found her shoelace had been tied to the staircase. Oh, come on. Yeah. Now, whether it was the ghost or one of her buddies playing a trick, we can't say. I can say that I am not so unobservant that I'm not going to be standing on a metal staircase and not notice one of my friends tying my shoe to it. I mean, you we all know what a, a metal staircase looks like. I mean, it's it's got the typically it's got the the open grate. Uh, otherwise, how are you going to tie a shoelace to it? For yeah, one, exactly. So I'm I'm fairly confident that's indeed what it looks like. You know, like fire escape stairs. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to look like mm-hmm. that. You can see right through them. Who is so sneaky? that they could manage to get down there and tie someone's shoe to the stair without them noticing. Yeah, I'm not that sneaky. I mean, you know, they've either got ninjas as friends or, you know, this this woman is totally oblivious to everything going around. Or it was the ghost of one of the kids. I'm yeah, saying that's I'm going weird. with kid ghost. That's, that's kind of that's weird. Mm-hmm. Now, on another tour... A guide found a group of young women in the basement of the keeper's home. Now, 
one of the young women had rented an EMF meter to measure the electrical activity caused by the spirits. Now, the young woman holding the meter asked the girls if they wanted to play hide and seek, and the meter spiked. Now, the woman wandered around the basement searching for all the hiding girls. Finally, finding meter activity under the spiral staircase leading to the main floor. And then she realized her shoelaces were tied together. No, I'm yeah. kidding. That's not part of the story. <laughs> she um, realized it because she fell on her face. But she got excited because she said she had found them and asked if they wanted to play again. Now, like before, the meter spiked. And once again, the young woman searched the basement for the girls. And after a few minutes, found elect- electrical energy near the children's play table. Now, huh. at a, around the same time, another set of guests came into the basement and apparently the energy dispersed. Yeah, scared the kids out. So uh, yeah. go yell at those people who came in. Like, yeah, you like, ruined what are you it. doing? I'm playing ghost hide and seek down here. Right. Can, can you imagine you walk down and there's some <laughs> woman down in this basement with this thing lighting up and she's like yelling at you, I'm playing hide yeah. and seek. Yeah. Like, the, the ghost kids are down here playing hide and screech with me. Leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, think about that's That's pretty cool. I mean, we haven't had a story like that before. No, nope, I've I, never heard of that. I mean, that, you know, that this lady apparently was able to track the movement of the energy to different spots in the basement, you know, indicating that there was, you know, a higher energy level at one point that would go away. And then reappear somewhere else. I mean, we mm-hmm. and and do so at the request of of a human. I mean, that's something yeah. that we really don't see in in some of the places that we've researched in the past. Now, all that you know, tying shoelaces and playing hide and seek sounds really fun, but sometimes the girls like to appear in fully formed apparitions that, you know, years and years ago during the day, a guest was exploring the, uh, the maritime hammock uh, trails and came upon a young girl in a Victorian outfit, sitting on a bench, reading a book. Now she began to ask the girl a question and another group came up from the opposite direction. Now the lady was distracted by this other group and looked away for just a moment. And when she turned back, turned back, the little girl was gone. Now in a similar, in a similar story, a woman that was on the ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behavior while on the tour. Now confused, this woman said that she did not have a daughter. That's weird. And the other woman told her that this little girl had been standing by her side most of the evening, but there were actually no children on the tour that particular night. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So you had this little thing hanging out next to you all night. I just assumed it was your daughter because it was fully formed. Right. You know. <laughs> and I kept wondering where you got that Victorian dress that you put her in. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of really unique, um, but, but 
good experiences that people have had in this lighthouse. And yeah. and it seems to be pretty common. I mean, it's not something that, um, well, you know, if you're lucky and the moon's full and it's, you know, the yeah. low tide, then you might smell My some cigar smoke. My sister's cousin's brother had a dog who got scared and went up there one time. Yeah. You know, you, you get these actually have names and you know pretty credible witnesses um you know the, the stories are detailed yeah and they don't seem to be those stories that have so much detail you feel like they've been made up for dramatic effect but you know they're not too scant in details that you're like oh well i mean you could say that about anything that was probably a frog right you know it's got just enough detail to keep you thinking, yep, something's going on here. Exactly. And you can take tours of the St. Augustine Lighthouse, and there are ghost tours, as I mentioned. Uh, the Dark of the Moon tour, um, you know, which which uh, is, is more of a, a ghost-friendly type tour. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cool place to visit. I know we've got quite a few listeners in Florida, and we might have a few listeners that have already been there. Um, yeah. even if it's not for the, for the ghost tour, I, I have never personally been to a lighthouse, you know, I, I, I feel think, like I, I did once cool. when I was a kid, yeah. but I, I can vaguely remember it. I would like to go again now that I'm older. I've, I've seen a few, um, but I've never actually, you know, been in one, mm-hmm. um, you know, but the, you know, the, the idea of a haunted lighthouse is even more appealing to me. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, if you've been there or if you live close to there and think you, you might, you know, want to go, uh, you should check it out and you should let us know, um, Absolutely. Take, take some pictures and send them to us. You know, I'm, I'm always amazed when we talk about a place and then months later, you know, we've got a listener that's sending us pictures mm-hmm. that they actually went there. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I mean, love it. you know, we, we've had, we've had people visit places that we thought, Surely to surely to God, we ain't got anybody that would visit this place, and they have, <laughs> right? You know, they've either been there or they make it a point to let us know that they're going or or they've recently been. Um, yep. We've even had a few people say that they've been to some places strictly because they heard the story on our show, um, which, which was is, awesome. Yeah, that's that's really impressive, guys. Um, you know, so if if you live in that area, um, you know, and you've been or or you're you're planning on going, or you just think, hey. This sounds cool, and I didn't I didn't realize it was that cool, and I'm going to go, thanks to Adam and Matt talking about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, let us know. Um, but I, I, you know, I really, I really dug this. Uh, you know, these are these are great. It's not it's not horribly gruesome or terribly no. scary. It doesn't have a bunch of history that you know just turns your stomach. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it and it does seem like that there's enough activity to make a trip there worth your while. Absolutely. So, you know, tell us what you think. Is the, you think the lighthouse is haunted or do you think, you know, there's some other explanations for it? Um, let us know. You can uh, email us, uh, email us pictures of whatever you got that you took there. Or, you know, if you think you found a ghost in one of your pictures, please email it to us or you can post it in our Facebook group um, or Call us on our voicemail and leave us a quick voicemail about your trip there. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, the best place to go and, and post these pictures, not just for Adam and I, but for all the members of the graveyard is in our Facebook group. And, and we talk about this just about every show. Um, we've got some fantastic listeners. I mean, I think we're what we're pushing close to what 5,000 members in the graveyard. Just now. about, yeah. Um, you know, there's always something going on. People posting, you know, scary pictures or funny jokes or jokes about scary pictures. Um, you know, just asking questions and, you know, getting some help and, and it's always a safe place where you, you can, you can come and maybe talk about experiences that you've had. Um, and, and, you know, when, when those questions come up, I'm always just amazed at the number of people that respond with the experiences of their own. Um, yep. And how nice everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, we, we got the best group on Facebook. I, I said it the other day and I'll say it again. The, the members of the graveyard family are some of the best on the internet right now. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's a safe space to talk about your hauntings and, and, you know, we've had people every now and then that try to get a little weird and other members of the graveyard come to the defense of the person posting it. So you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, it, it's a safe space to talk about your spooky stuff or, or your dad jokes or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you'll get to see posts, you know, by, uh, you know, our better halves, Amanda and Ashley too. So, yep, exactly. Um, you know, and, and honestly, without them, we wouldn't be able to do this show. No, <laughs> I mean, sir. No we wouldn't. way. Uh, nope. you know, they, 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 they put up with, uh, w- w- with us being involved in this and, and, uh, and away from kids and, you know, yep. fixing dinner and all that other stuff. Behind um, every good graveyard tales host is an even better woman poking <laughs> us in the butt to keep us doing this. That's right, so. or 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 giving us show ideas, or 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 telling us how stupid something we said on the show was. Yep. Keeping our heads from getting too big, you know. That's right. The normal, the good wife stuff. That's right. But you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just go search Graveyard Tales, and you can visit our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. Uh, you can find links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. Uh, you can find out a little bit more about Adam and myself, and you can become a patron, which we mentioned at the top of the show, and you know where you can get bonus audio, uh, bonus episodes. You can you know get a sticker pack. When we've got a ton of different stickers uh, from the show. And oh, yeah. for the for our top tier members, you actually get to see the video of this show being done live mm-hmm. with all the outtakes, all the mistakes, Adam and I going back and forth, you know, before we hit the record button, um, and the video of of the Patreon episodes, yep. um, which, you know, are are a little bit more loose and casual and fun and um, you know, we we kind of just, you know, let our let <laughs> Let our proverbial hair down a little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and the, you know, different topics than we would do on the show. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's you know, we we don't we don't necessarily talk about uh, haunted stuff all the time. We talk about weird things, funny things, and and those kind of things. But um, you know, I, I say this every show. I'm gonna say it again. Rate and review us on iTunes. It's the mm-hmm. easiest way for more people to find us and join the graveyard. So. For Adam and myself, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.
Now, uh, moving forward, 1970. Now, after standing empty for many years, the keeper's house burned under mysterious circumstances, which Adam mentioned earlier in the show. It completely gutted the home and the shell rock basement. And, you know, they, and, and, well, no, I'm, I got to start over. That's the yeah. noise now. So when you hear, then you know, know okay, this cut. is yep. edit. That's cut. We're going to edit this back. <laughs> All right.